Lord, we just continue to come to you this morning. And thank you, Lord, for the fulfillment of your promises in our lives. And Lord, that even at this very moment, promises are being fulfilled in this room. God, we just declare that to be so. That things that people have been longing for, waiting for, hoping for, holding out faith for, believing for, are beginning to break right now in the spirit. We just give you thanks for that. We praise you for that. Uh, God, we ask that you would continue to fill this place with your spirit today. That through your word, you would speak to us. God, that we would have spiritual ears to hear, to discern what you're saying. And that God, that we would leave here more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So kids, you can go on downstairs. I think all the four to sevens, eight to twelves are in the same uh, room. They're in the eight to twelve room today. They're getting ready for the Christmas program. Anybody excited about the Christmas program besides me? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Hallelujah. All right, so if you want to be turning in your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 and 1 Peter chapter 5. But before I do that, I want to just thank everyone. Uh, last Sunday's uh, pastor appreciation was off the charts. It was amazing. We loved it. We love you guys. I just have a little card here this morning, card of thanks. It says, the kindness of others is a genuine reflection of the kindness of God. We love you all more than you can ever say. We can ever say, you all are such a blessing and you are the ones deserving of appreciation. We love you, that's from Bobby and myself. And also, I just wanna say this, I wanna appreciate the fact that you all included our youth pastors, our worship pastors, our children's pastors, but yes, give them a hand. Yeah, because um, there's no way, no way, Bobby and I could do all this without them, and God has given us a great team to work with, and we are so blessed, okay? So also, I want to apologize for my dress. Um, if this offends you, I apologize, I've, but I've got a place, I've got somewhere to go after this. It's not, this is not me, right? But uh, just put up with it for 30 minutes or so. All right, thank you. So we're finishing up this morning uh, this uh, series on exiles. And if you recall the idea of exile, it's living in a culture whose values, whose way of life is contrary to your own. And so as Christians, we can find ourselves being exiles in our own family. Maybe you're the only believer in the family. We can find our, ourselves being exiles at work or at school, in our community. And I believe that we are in a time right now when the, those who follow Christ and who try to live according to his word and live according to his ways are really counterculture to what the, the culture that we live in at, at large in, in America and in the West. And, and so we find ourselves in this position of being exiles. And, and if you recall, uh, it's been a few weeks ago, we talked about that we can either be separatists, we can choose to totally remove ourselves from the culture, we can, you know, go buy a farm somewhere and have a commune and, and only uh, interact with other Christians and have nothing to do with the world and turn off all of our social media and turn off all of our TVs and, and not read anything and just totally get away. Some of that sounds really good right now. I'm just, but anyway, but we also talked about the fact those things never end well. 
And that's not really what God's called us to do. And we also talked about syncretism, this idea that we just sort of blend in. And we don't create any waves and we don't stand out. So we just sort of adapt to the culture and we make ourselves look like the culture. And that's not what God's called the church to do either. So the idea is that God has called us to be a remnant. A remnant. Throughout the Bible, anytime that there were exiles, anytime that the people of Israel were, were dragged away to another country, there was always a remnant who stood strong, who continued to live the way of God, who honored God, who made their lifestyle after the pattern that God had taught them, no matter where they were, and they ended up influencing the culture they were in. And so there's this thing about influence. Do we allow the culture to influence us? Or do we be a people who can influence the culture? And if you read through the Bible, most of the time, real influence came from the bottom up, not the top down. Jesus didn't come and throw out Caesar and take over and sit on a throne and say, now I'm going to, take, I'm going to influence the world. He came as this lowly carpenter rabbi with 12 guys who were ragtag, some of them fishermen. And, and so they influenced the world and ever changed the world. You see this through the New Testament. Peter, Paul, James, John, none of them, you know, aspired to governmental control, but from the bottom up, they just influenced culture and they changed the world. And that's what God's calling us to do today. You know, probably no one in this room is going to be governor or president. Maybe some of our little ones might be. Maybe, some, maybe the president's downstairs. We don't know it. But, but for you guys, me, it's probably too late, right? So that's not what God's calling us to do. But God is calling us to influence the community we live in, influence the culture we live in from the bottom up by just living like Jesus, Right? So let's read Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to read the entire chapter here. And so, um, great story. One of those, another one of those great Sunday school stories, right? We talked about the felt board. This one, you can have lines, you can have a cake, you can have all this. It's really cool. So, all right. So, verse 1 Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Wouldn't that be a great testimony? Man, they look for something to criticize and condemn in me, but they couldn't find anything. Sounds prideful, but for Daniel, it was awesome. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administration high officers went to the king and said, the Lord, li long live King Darius. 
We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to any one divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed, obviously not even by the king. So the, at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had thrown them, he had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Okay, so let's just look at this just for a second and, and I'm gonna read, we're gonna look at 1 Peter and then we're gonna talk about what Daniel accomplished here. So we see that Daniel 
This is like 60 years after Daniel chapter 1. So now he's like 80 years old. So, I mean, we go from chapter 1 to chapter 6, like 80 years past, 60 years past. He's an 80-year-old. He's better at his job than ever. He's, he's doing a great job. And through just being a man of God, it wasn't through his position in the government. Through being a man of God, he got this ungodly king to preach one of the best sermons in the world. He got, this, he got this ungodly king who did not believe in Yahweh to make this proclamation that this is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and this is the one who does miracles, and he's the one who saves. And so can you see how the influence really came from the bottom up? It wasn't that Daniel, as this administrator, made this rule. It was that Daniel, by just being a man of God, proved to this king who the real God was. In our very lives, just living life, in a godly way, can influence those people around us and prove who God really is. It wasn't his hashtag. It wasn't his bumper sticker. It wasn't his t-shirt. It wasn't his big family Bible that he carried around. It was really just doing what God had instructed him to do. And we'll look at that in a minute. So here's the big idea this morning. When we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, God's plans and purposes always prevail and here's the thought I want you to keep in mind that we are always living among lions we are always living with the lion and we're going to look at that in first Peter the message the title of this message today is living among lions so let's look at first Peter chapter 5 verse 6 6 through 11. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So Daniel, we see, humbled himself before God by praying three times a day. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In, this, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation, all power, to him forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so here's the thing about Daniel, I believe, is that we have this great moment of him surviving this den of lions. He, he, was, he had this moment, this miraculous moment, where he survives a whole night living in this den that's sealed up with hungry lions who were there probably just for sport to kill people. That's the way they did things back then. Sort of seems brutal, but they, they did those things. And some people may say, well, Daniel got himself in that den because he was praying and following God. But I want to flip it and say, I believe that Daniel survived that because he had been praying and followed God. 
So let's look at some things that Daniel had leading up to this because I believe that, that there are those moments, those, there's those great moments in our life where it's make or break, it's live or die, it's, it's survive or not survive. However, it's all those little things that we do every day up until that moment that really gives us the victory. So the first thing Daniel had that was, we know that he was capable. He had this spirit of excellence. In verse 3 it says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now this is really about two things. One, I believe it was Daniel's attitude. If you go back, remember uh, chapter one, he said, I'm not going to defile myself. And, and he proved himself and there's this anointing that came upon him. But I think there's two things. I think it's Daniel's attitude and then the anointing and blessing of God on his life. So in order to be capable, Daniel had to have this attitude of I'm in Babylon, but I'm going to be the best I can be in Babylon. I, I could spend my 70 years of captivity with this sold up face, mad at the world, trying to uh, beat the authority, trying to be angry and rebellious and even mad at God. Because God, I was a good person. I wasn't the one who, who rejected you, but I ended up in Babylon. There's some of those people that were bad people still back in Jerusalem, but I'm here. And he, he could have had this attitude, I'm not going to help anybody. There's no way I'm going to help a king. But this is like Daniel's third or fourth king that he's worked for. And I believe as Christians in our workforce, in the school, in the community, we should be excellent. Now, I know that we all have get di different giftings and talents, but man, we should be the best employee in the place because Jesus lives in us. We should be the best neighbor in the neighborhood because the Holy Spirit is in us. We should be the nicest person in the line at Kroger on the week of Thanksgiving but when, because Jesus is in us, right? We shouldn't be that person that walks in to the base of business and everybody goes, man, here he comes again, look out. We should, be the, we should be excellent in everything that we do. And a lot of that has to do with our attitude of just saying, okay, Jesus, help me be the best. Help me the, be the best student in my school. Help me be the best person in my, um, in my place of work. Help me just do the best in everything. And the second thing is, I believe if we come to Jesus with that attitude, then there's an anointing that can come. And Daniel lived under this anointing of excellence, similar to how we saw Joseph when Joseph was in Egypt and, and they had this spirit of excellence that came upon him because of, you know, he was trying to live out these things in the right way. And, and so a lot of times it, I think we get it backwards. It's like, God, if you'll anoint me, then I'll be excellent. And I think the Lord's saying, have an excellent attitude and I'll give you some anointing. So Daniel had he was, this capability, he was capable. Second thing Daniel had was character. In verse 4 it says, And the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. It's interesting how we live in a culture now that basically tells us that you can be a born-again believer 
and have horrible character. It, we, we, we live in a culture that says, listen, being a Christian is really all about, you know, you, yeah, you shook a guy's hand, you maybe got baptized, you're a member of a church, but, you know, really how you live, there, there's grace, so grace covers everything. But I'm going to tell you, if you read through the New Testament, all the writers of grace also talked about living a life of character. Paul, who wrote more about grace than probably anybody, was also the one instructing us how to be good husbands and good wives, how to be good citizens, and, and how to uh, handle ourselves in church, and how to handle conflict, and how to be honest. And he taught all those things. And so the Bible talks about in Galatians chapter 5, Jesus, or, uh, Paul writes this. He says, I'm, I feel like I'm in childbirth with you guys again until Christ be formed in you. And that idea of Christ being formed in us is not an outside inward thing. It's an inside out thing where Jesus' character is being formed inside of us. And, and sometimes we, again, we go about this backwards of if I can quit doing this and start doing this, but it's really more about, do I have the character of Jesus in me? Do I love people? Do I care about other people? Do I serve other people? Do I live my life for others? Do I live by this thing that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, and also love my neighbor as myself? And so Daniel had this character that because he served God was formed in him, and so he's trustworthy. He didn't lie, he didn't steal, he didn't take advantage of his situation. They couldn't find anything he'd done wrong. They audited his books. They were clean. They came to work and, and checked out all of his file cabinets, and they were good. They checked his computer. There was nothing on it that shouldn't have been on there. They couldn't find anything wrong with this guy. So he said, now we're going to have to find something, I guess, that deals with his religion because we know he won't give that up. Man, wouldn't that be, couldn't that be great to be said of us? That I know... That no matter what happens, that person will never give up their relationship with Jesus. That person will never give up the things that God's called them to do. So he, had, he was capable. He had character. And Daniel had commitment. He had commitment to the Lord. And he had commitment to people. It says in verse 10, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Now, this is interesting here because there's nothing in the Jewish law, there's nothing in the Torah that says a Jewish man has to pray three times a day facing Jerusalem. So it would have been really easy for someone to say, Daniel, just close your window for a month. Daniel, take a month off. You've been praying for 60 years, man. Just, just take a month off. Instead of three times a day, won't you wait till it's dark and, and everybody's already in bed? Then maybe you can get up and pray. Or just, I think God would understand if you didn't pray for a month. But Daniel was committed because he believed that God wanted him to do this. See, there, was a, there is scripture in 1 Kings chapter 8 that when they were, when they were building the temple, that, that Solomon said this, God, if we ever are taken captive and we turn to you, you'll hear us. If there's ever a time that we're in drought and we 
Turn towards your temple and we pray. Then you'll hear us and forgive us. And I believe that Daniel believed that. I believe he knew that scripture. And three times a day, whether God told him to or it was just a commitment of his own life, maybe he promised God that he would do that. But he decided, I'm going to face Jerusalem because 1 Kings chapter 8 says that if we'll face the temple and we'll pray, God will hear us and he will forgive us. And so he was committed to God. He was committed to the things that God had asked him to do. And he was committed to the people he was praying for. He was praying for his whole nation. See, the Bible says he was doing two things. He was giving thanks, and when they called him, they asked him, they heard him praying for help. So here's two things that Daniel did in those three prayers a day. He worshiped, and he interceded. And I believe God's calling us right now to be a people who worship and who uh, intercede for each other and intercede for our nation and intercede for our church and intercede for our community. And so often in this culture, in this Babylonian culture that we live in, one of the first things that goes when things get hard is our commitment. And Daniel's like, I know what the law says, but I've already committed to God that I'm going to pray three times a day with my window open facing Jerusalem. And it's interesting how he did it. He didn't like, you know, put a big sign out in his yard. He didn't fly a flag. He didn't, you know, make a big deal about it. He just went home, said, I'm just gonna do what I always do. I'm gonna keep my commitment to God. I'm gonna keep my commitment to the people of Israel. And I'm gonna pray for him. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray that God hear us and forgive us and set us Free. And I don't see this really as this act of pride. I don't see it as really rebellion. It, it, it's almost more like resilient humility. Of just, God, I know this may go bad. I know what the stakes are here. I've read the law. I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the king's court here. I know how this could go. But I'm going to be resilient. Very humbly. I'm just going to do what I know to do. And the last thing is, I think Daniel had confidence. He had confidence in his God. He had confidence that in that very moment that it appeared that his faithfulness would lead to his demise, God was going to show up. And I almost think he had the attitude that we read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if he doesn't show up, I'm still going to do what's right. I'm still going to live according to biblical principles. I'm still going to keep my commitments to God. I'm still going to keep my commitment to the people that I'm praying for. I, this may lead, this may be the end of it for me. I may die in that den of lions, but I'm still going to be committed. I'm still going to have confidence that God will take care of me. And I think that today we all could use a little shot of confidence. This may be the hardest time you're going through. I don't know what all, everybody's going through in your life right now. I, I do know that statistically, some of y'all are having a hard time. Some of y'all are going through stuff you've never been through before. And I believe that we can be confident in who God is. And we can be confident in what he'll do. I don't know this, but it's very possible that as Daniel was in that den that he was remembering Psalm 57. 
400 years before King David wrote this psalm. And Daniel, being a student of the word, being a student of scripture, may have very well had this in mind. Let me read it to you. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. <laughs> my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Now, I don't know that Daniel was quoting that psalm, but I can almost see him quoting it and saying, God, they've set a pit for me. They've set a trap for me. I'm surrounded by lions, but I'm confident in you, God. I'm confident in you, God. I'm confident in you, God. And whatever that roaring lion has brought against you and whatever pit that he has, he has dug for you and whatever trap he has set for you, I believe this. You can be confident today that God will see you through and you will be victorious and the purposes of God in your life will be fulfilled. And Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure, confident, I'm totally confident and sure and convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. And you can trust him too, and you can be confident too, and you can be sure as well. See, I believe that Daniel was able to get through the lion's den, not because of just the faith he had that night. I believe it was because he had this attitude of being capable and excellent all along. I believe it's because he, he pursued a godly character throughout his whole life. I, I believe it's because he had a commitment to God every day of his life so that even when the law changed, he wasn't going to give up on his commitment. And I believe that the whole time Daniel was in Babylon, he kept this confidence that God's going to take care of me. And it was through every day, all those 60 years leading up to then when he was capable, when he had character, when he had commitment, when he had confidence, all those days led him to the place where when the king came and said, Daniel, did the God that you serve save you? He said, I have been found innocent. And he showed up and he saved me last night. And so it's not just about passing that big test. It's the daily, daily. And I believe that God will show up and he will work out his purposes in our life just sort of in a daily. And don't we always want to know how it ends? Yeah. <laughs> we always want to know, you know, what's the ultimate? But God just shows up day after day after day. And if we will keep those things day after day after day, when the big moment comes, then we can be confident. Amen. Would you stand with me?